Hey, welcome to the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast, a long-form podcast designed to help you thrive in your life as well as in your faith. Yeah, awesome guys. We are back with another episode of the podcast and uh, today's interview I believe is going to be a great one. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, getting to know uh, Michael Aguirre a whole lot better. So with a uh, Without further ado, Michael, Michael, can you give us a bit of a uh, yeah background of who you are and let's dive in. Awesome. Thanks, Reems, for uh, doing this conversation uh, with me. I, yeah, as Reema mentioned, my name is Mike and uh, I am 24 years old. I'm currently in training to become a chartered accountant. Uh, just about to pass the finish line, so super excited about that. Um, yeah, I, I've kind of grown up in the church on, and... I was born in the Ivory Coast, uh, so that's kind of a cool part of my story. Is lived there for a couple of years, and um, but yeah, I'm fired up and, and happy to be here. Awesome, come on, dude. Well, we're gonna we're gonna start right there in the Ivory Coast, uh, and maybe you can uh, start off, Mike, here by helping us uh, understand why you were born in the Ivory Coast, and then let us know how was the Ivory Coast. Do you have memories of that? I mean, I'm sure it was many years ago now, but yeah, what, what you know, kind of how did you end up being born there and uh, you know, uh, yeah. W- what was it like? Yeah. So my dad, uh, my dad and mom got married uh, a while back. Um, and then they were asked by, I think Mark Ottenweller to go, or I'm not exactly sure who it was, but to go and help out with the hope projects, um, that was starting in, in the Ivory Coast. So basically my dad and mom moved there to help out with a clinic um, you know, kind of at the peak of the HIV and AIDS epidemic, uh, a lot of malaria cases. Um, so yeah, that's how I found myself there. And I was born uh, in 1996. Um, dude, so what I remember from the Ivory Coast is the food was so good. Really? Um, I just remember really enjoying uh, things like futubanan, which is like a plantain loaf of bread kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but it was just incredible. Um I, I was really young when we moved, so I was about six years old, so I don't have too many memories, but yeah, the food, man, I just, it just sticks out. Um, I don't know what it is, but sure. uh, I, I remember a couple of scary stories. So I, I got malaria when I was about nine months old, um, wow. and that was kind of scary. I don't know why I can remember it, but I remember, uh, you know, sitting over the doctors and the doctors putting drips into me and uh, all sorts of stuff, and then I got typhoid later. Uh, so I was kind of a sick baby uh, in, in, um, in the Ivory Coast. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, growing up with friends and I uh, just had a great time. I remember PlayStation, got my first PlayStation there, wow. PlayStation 2. Uh, we were jamming some Gran Turismo cars. Okay. I love cars. So. Let's go. Yeah. No, but I, I, again, as I said, I was kind of young when I moved. So um, it was a great time, though. Sure. How long were you there for, Mike? Uh, so I was born there, yeah, in 1996, and we moved to South Africa in 2003. Uh, and then in between that, there was a six months where uh, the, the Ivory Coast went through a civil war uh, in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to actually leave the country, um, got on a plane and uh, jump ship to the States. Okay. Um, but then my dad found, you know, got a job here with Hope. Okay. Um, so it was about six years that Sad. I lived in the Ivory Coast. Yeah, man, that's a, okay, so that is a long time, I mean, PlayStation 2 and, and all of that, that must have been fun. Did you speak French as a kid? Yeah, I uh, I actually am so sad that 
I don't remember much of it, but I remember, yeah, I was, I was able to speak fluently. And uh, when I first came to, to South Africa, was able to speak. Um, but then, as you know, as you go along, not many people speak French here. So sure. it kind of died down. But yeah, yeah. that was a, it was a good uh, language to know back there because everyone spoke French. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's, uh, that's such a cool part of, of, uh, of your life to have, like to have a, have a part of your story being, man, I grew up, you know, in this six years is a good chunk of your, of your early childhood, uh, you know, growth. So that's, that's really cool. Um, all right. So let's, let's kind of, you know, continue the journey here through your life. So you moved to South Africa when you are six. Um, and, and what's that like? Yeah. What's, what's it like being in South Africa? What's it like being in your home? I know, I know, you know, you have three other siblings, you're the eldest of the, of the four, you know, so, you know, give us a little bit of a picture of growing up as, as Micah Geary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I moved here when I was six. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, but they put me in an age group or a grade above where I should have been. Um, I think it's because we started school early in, in the Ivory Coast. So basically I was kind of a year younger than everyone in my grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, early, it's funny, when people ask me how was primary school, how was kind of high school, it's actually a blur. I um, I really struggle to be able to to remember what that what that was like. Um, but I think there are some, like, key memories. I remember um, the birth of my sister. So my sister is about nine years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like a, uh, yeah, just... I mean, the, the, my brother is six, is three years below okay. the, the last brother that I have. Um, so it was just kind of weird, like, oh, my word, you know, nine years old, have a sister. So that was kind of cool. Sure. Um, that was uh, three years after we moved to, to South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember going through primary school, having great friends. I love, uh, one of my best friends was Asian. So I don't know, food revolves around my story a lot. Okay. But we always used to go and, and eat just this Asian food that was awesome. Um, obviously, you know, growing up with brothers, you would fight and, and, you know, we used to wrestle and build tree houses and play cricket in the yard, smash windows. My dad would always tell us, Hey, don't smash the window. Inevitably sure. we'd, you know, we'd break the window. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of primary school, high school, high school things got real, um, started yeah. liking people, uh, having kind of crushes. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, obviously I grew up in the church. My parents go mm. to church and, and they kind of, you know, uh, brought us up in Kate's kingdom uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, I forget. I think that's what it was called. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I remember, you know, throughout this whole process, learning about God and reading stories mm. about him and having these pictures of, you know, the flood and the, uh, you know, Moses uh, splitting the Red Sea and, um, you know, the plagues and uh, mm-hmm. Jonah and the whale and all these kind of stories and, you know, marveling at this kind of awesome and powerful God. And, um, you know, and so obviously getting into high school. Um, yeah, I think you're trying to fit in, right? You, you, mm-hmm. Well, I felt like, uh, you know, I needed to fit in. And so I think some of, you know, a lot of my friends were going and doing different things and, and trying out alcohol and, um, so I kind of felt, oh, okay, but, you know, I know the standard, so I'm not going to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of an interesting time for me figuring stuff out. I, I mean, I got rejected. Uh, that was kind of painful. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I remember that quite clearly. 
weird story. All right, um, pause, pause there. Let, let's, but I think that's where... Can we dive into that story? Because that would be interesting to hear. What, what, you don't have to say the person's name, but what, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I really like this person. I'm, I'm not going to mention her name just for the you know, sake of... Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, I really like this person, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I, I had a friend who was kind of in grade 11. I was in about grade nine. Okay. And so, you know, I looked up to him. He was at my school. Uh, we hung out, um, you know, so I kind of got advice from him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I told her, hey, look, I told him I, I like this person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he knew about it for a couple months. And he was like, have you done anything about it? I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do anything about it. Sure. You know, whatever. Sure. Um, it, it's kind of weird because we weren't really friends. Um looking back it's kind of like one of those infatuation you just you you look at the person you're like yo she is amazing yeah. um and you know so one day i was actually walking up the stairs and all these i don't know how to describe it but these stairs are kind of like open so everyone around the stairs can see into the stairs okay. if that makes mm-hmm. sense um and so he grabs me and oh. he's like, dude, so have you asked this person out? And I'm like, no, like, uh, I don't want to do that. Sure. And so now he can see her. She's about probably 20 meters away from the stairs. Okay. And so he yells her name oh, no. uh, in front of everybody. All, you know, this was break. Everyone's kind of chilling on the, on the uh, veranda area of our school. And he yells and he calls her over. And I'm trying to run. <laughs> but this guy, Jim's. And I'm kind of a, a small, skinny guy when I was, you know, yeah. uh, growing up. And I couldn't get away. So she comes, she, we're on the stairs, mm-hmm. and then he leaves. And I'm freaking out. I've never done this before. I, you know, I don't know, even know what to say. Sure. And so I say, hey, um, would you like to be my girlfriend? Mm. Then she says, no, um, you know, I don't date. So now I'm broken. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, my heart is crushed. Sure. First time I've been rejected. Sure. I'm just... My mind is running over time. I'm like, okay, how do I solve this, this situation? Because this is a terrible time. Um, and so I ask, I think there was a, some sort of Halloween dance or something. Okay. Or, or a school function on, on a Friday or that Friday. And I asked her, so, okay, so I know you don't date. Would you like to go to this social event with me? Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, no, sorry, I don't go to social events. Oh, and wow. I was just broken. Um, and there's some other stuff that, that kind of made it worse. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just, yeah, I just remember I went home. We had Bible talk. I locked myself in the room. I felt sick. I didn't want to go out, see people. I was just traumatized. It was just a terrible time. Shame. Um, you know, kind of a 14-year-old getting rejected, not knowing what to do. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Dang, man. The guy threw you in the deep end, bro. He just, he just chucked you in there. Bro. Yeah, that's that rough. guy. I had I was angry at that guy for a while. <laughs> sure, sure, I can imagine. Yeah, I know. Well, okay, so so you are. I mean, again, you're developing that. This is kind of the story. You know, you are uh, in this household. There's obviously faith plays a big part of your parents' life. I mean, I know your parents, and you know, so you are you are involved in in stuff. You're going to you know youth camp, and you're going to the teenage yeah. event, teenagers events, and stuff at church. And, and so for you, when does kind of your journey with God personally begin? Yeah, um, I, you know, I think obviously one of the key things 
that happens is, you know, you get asked to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was about 13, um, or maybe it was 14, but 13, 14, someone asked me to do the word study. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got with them. I was like, what is this guy telling me? This is the most boring <laughs> thing I've ever read. Like, this is, I do not want anything to do with this, sure. you know. Um, he's telling me about a book. Firstly, I hate reading. So now you want me to go and start reading every day. You know, it's like, it just didn't fit with me. Um, so I think that happened and kind of put me a bit off. Um, but I think what really happened was one of my, one of my close friends that I had, uh, he was from the States. His name's Andrew. Mm. Um, he, he and his family moved down from the States. And so we were kind of in the same teen ministry. He was two years older than me. Um, and we used to hang out a lot. Um, you know, I'd go over to his house, he'd come over to my house and what I, I just noticed something different about him, uh, mm-hmm. just the way he carried himself, the way he was interested in people, our friendship. Um, and I think you know, that, and along with, you know, the pocketers moving down, um, it was just something I could relate to, mm-hmm. um, you know, people that, you know, firstly they're American, uh, and, and, you know, me being an American, not really knowing where my roots are. Am mm-hmm. I Ivorian? Am I South African? Am I American? I don't know. But here are people who I know at least my passport says I'm an American. Yeah. Um, and so, and I just saw their lives and I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I want that. You know, this guy's cool. Yeah. Um, and so then they asked me, you know, um, they asked me to study the Bible. And so, so we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'd, we'd study the Bible and, and get up to discipleship um, but I don't know, maybe they saw I wasn't changing or I wasn't reading because we always get up to discipleship and, and you know, just kind of like stop. Okay. Um, and I guess growing up as a teen, I'd always known there's a sin study. Okay. Um, I, I'd always had this idea that there is this study that when you do this, it whacks you, you sure. know? Uh, and I guess that was part of my greatest fear, um, because all this time I'd felt like I've also been living a lie. Mm. Um, you know, I, uh. I know, you know, growing up in the church, you know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not the, the, the soul that, um, uh, I forget what it's called, but I'm a guilty soul. Sure. And so, you know, kind of, I know when I've overstepped the line. Um, and so I guess studying the Bible, doing the word, doing Jesus, looking at discipleship, you know, that it was powerful, but it never really got down to, I wasn't really open to it because there was this sin in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can talk about that later, but, but anyway, um, we got to the sin study, um, and you know, you know, that you go through the list, Galatians five, different, different, you know, uh, sin lists and stuff. And, and the, the only thing I could think of, cause I was so freaked out to share about what, what I was going through and what I've been doing, yeah. um, as a teen, the only thing I could say is I got angry at my brothers. Sure. Um, and so Dave in all his wisdom, he's like, okay, amen. You know, that's great. Um, is there anything else you want to share? I was like, no, 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 that's, that's good. Um, and he says, okay, well go home and think about it. Um, and, and really just try to think about, you know, read this list and, and, you know, during this time I was like totally aware of what I've been doing. Um, just not willing to be open because I was so afraid. I was just so freaked out at the thought that, oh my word, someone actually needs to know about this. Um, you know, but I think anyway, uh, God in his patience and, and in his wisdom, he allowed me to go home and, and really think about it and, and writing it down on paper, just kind of the stuff that you know, was going on in my life. Um, even at a yet young age, um, I was able to meet up with them and, and share. Uh, and it was just freeing, man. It mm-hmm. was, 
there's just something incredible about being open, uh, about sure. someone actually knowing what your deepest, darkest secrets, um, mm. you know, the stuff that, you hi- you, uh, that I was hiding for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was incredible. And I think from that point on, I, God was able yeah. to work in my heart. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I got baptized kind of on the, yeah, 12th of June, 2011. Um, I was 15 years old. 15. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of the beginning of my faith, my faith journey. Yeah. And, and so let's, I mean, let's pause a little bit on this idea of, of, of knowing your own sin. Uh, because obviously, I think most people know whether they want to say it out loud or not, kind of what the Bible prescribes uh, as sin. Uh, but what, what do you feel like it was for you that, that made you feel like, man, I can't, sh- I can't share this? And then the inverse, that once you had shared it, like kind of what was your perception about being open and being vulnerable after that point? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, I mean, the sin basically was, se- was sexual impurity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think by, from the time I was about either 11 or 12, okay. um, you know, I got exposed to, you know, the internet and different things. And, and I stumbled across this uh, image. Mm-hmm. And I think from that moment on, you know, pornography um, and, and masturbation had just become a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, and I think as a family, we would speak about it, but I would lie because sure. I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I knew this did not, you know, this was not great. This is something that is shameful. This is something that is, um, yeah, just, just not, God doesn't like it. And mm-hmm. I just cannot share it with anyone. Yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason why I felt that way was, you know, I'm the firstborn. People look up to me. I can't mm-hmm. be seen as someone who's, you know, who's messing up. You know, I need to do well at school. And kind of this whole mindset of, you know, you need to perform to be loved. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you don't, if you mess up, then, you know, you're you're gone. You know, no one's going to love you. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just a, a vicious cycle um, that I kind of got in. And so for, you know, three years or four years, whatever it was, I'd been harboring these things. And, and you know, my dad would speak to me and say, hey, have you been exposed to this? Obviously me lying. Now that, you know, a lie builds upon, now I have to lie more because, you know, I told him before that I wasn't exposed to it. And now he's asking again, I have to lie again. If I say yes, then he's going to say, but why didn't you tell me? Yeah. You know, that's kind of my thinking process. Yeah. Um, so it was just this vis- vicious cycle. And um, yeah, I mean, it became an addiction. Um, so that's kind of what I was feeling. I was, I was just feeling shame, feeling... Um, like I really, is anyone else even struggling with this? I've never heard of it before mm-hmm. being spoken about mm-hmm. in teens or church or it's like, am I, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, and I think that kind of links to, you know, general gaming addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, basically you're trying to run away from something. Yeah. And I've only discovered this a long, uh, you know, a while later, mm-hmm. but basically I was trying to run away from something and, and, you know, I didn't actually know what I was trying to run away from. Sure. Um, but I was using these things, gaming and, you know, pornography and to mask my need. Um, and, and I think when I was able to speak about it, it kind of broke that strength on it um, okay. for the first time when I was, you know, in that sin study. Sure. Yeah. And so you, so what, because there's this, I mean, and I can relate that there's this guilt and this shame, especially for us kids who grew up in the church and, We've heard the lessons we know, you know, like you said, you know what sin is. And 
um, and you lie, right? You, you lie to cover up, especially yeah. to parents, kind of what was going on. Um, and so all of that is built up in you. So what, what made you crack? What, what was kind of the thing that made you say, man, I've just got to tell these guys what's, what's really going on here? Yeah, you know, I think, again, it was just the love they showed me. Um, mm. You know, the, to be honest, I, I don't really know exactly what made me at that moment in time, you know, say these things or, or think about these things. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we did the sin study and, and David asked me, hey, can you go back and, and write down a list of the stuff that you did? Sure. Um, but what actually like flipped my mindset, I'm not 100% sure. Sure. Um, because again, I'd never done this before. There was so much anxiety. There was so much, you know, just like, what is going to happen? What are they going to say? Um, and I think honestly, it was, yeah, just, I mean, knowing who they were, knowing that they cared for me, knowing that, you know, Andrew was my best friend. We'd, we'd been through so many things together. We knew each other. He wanted what's best for me. Uh, Dave wanted what, what was best for me. So I, that's kind of what I think back then helped me to kind of say, okay, it's okay if I share these things with them. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Because we hadn't done the cross study. We hadn't done kind of those things, um, Mm. you know. So my motivation, I guess, still wasn't at that moment in time, Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus. Sure. Um, It was more the friendships. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, right, is is there's a lot of young people who listen to this uh, where there's stuff going on, man. We we all have it, right? There's something that we... We're all struggling with it, whether it's pornography, whether it's, you know, gaming, whether it's an, a food addiction, whether it's, you know, whatever. There could be so many different things. Um, um, but I think the love of people, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Bible speaks about how, you know, perfect love drives out fear. And I think people's love will be able to kind of break that. Um, and so we, you know, I know I work yeah. with young people and so I've always got to fight, man. Always going with love. Um and then even for, you know, for the people listening to this, that they've got to be the types of people who love up on friends or family who might look like, man, these guys are not, not on, the, on the right path. Uh, but okay, so you, you get baptized yeah. now, now nine years ago. Um, and how, how radical, I wanted to, especially in high school first, how radically different is your life now as a result of making this decision that, okay, Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm going to be a disciple, follow him. Uh, and I'm going to do this at the age of 15. Dude, it was it was crazy. I think firstly, you know, obviously sin being part of my life for so long or at that moment in time, it felt like so long, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, four years out of a 15-year-old, the first couple of years, you're not really there. You know, you're yeah. you're running around and playing and having fun. And so here you are developing, you, you have a mind of your own. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was incredible. Um, I think just walking around without this cloud of guilt and shame, knowing that I was redeemed and mm. that God is on my side and all of the, it was just incredible. I, I just felt like, wow, you know, um, we can do this. And, you know, it was, it was funny because like a month later or, or no, two months later, we started a Bible talk at, at our school, at our high school. Uh, two, two people got baptized as well with me, uh, Hannah and Cindy. Um, and, and they were in my grade, like kind of like a month and two months after I did. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think for the first six months, it was incredible. Um, sure. I really, you know, just staying close to God, you know, having people to talk to, um, 
yeah, I was just, I really enjoyed it. And, I, and you know, then I think exams hit mm. um, and kind of that stress that, you know, I, I was kind of the overachiever, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who worked hard, the guy who got good grades. Uh, you know, I wanted to avoid at all costs, you know, not doing well in something. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, one of the ways or historic ways I used to go and, and deal with that is, pornography you know mm-hmm. it makes you feel good in that moment it takes the stress away it takes your mind off the you know the, the fear of failure um and so you know i just remember you know november um yeah around november just feeling the stress not even knowing why and um obviously i knew like i don't want to go into this i don't want to do this sure. um, but basically i kind of fell back into that sin okay um, where it be you know and it was just horrible it was the worst feeling you know here i am six months in um back in the same thing that i was doing you know that made me feel so sad made me feel you know guilty shameful and uh something had happened you know during that process of of sharing my sin when i was studying the bible Mm -hmm. that kind of made me off putting like off not wanting to confess okay um, I kind of got a reaction from someone that um, just made me feel like trash mm. uh, while I was sharing my my sin. And, and in that moment, I was just like, no, I, I can't face someone to, to sure. tell me the same thing that, you know, whatever. Um, that that they were disappointed in me and that they, you know, they, they, they can't really believe that this was happening and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think going, you know, that's kind of what I had in my mind and it no longer became about Jesus, but like, oh, Mike, you've just messed up. Yeah. You've just done it again. Um, and so for about, I think that was the year we went to Mauritius as a family. Okay. Uh, for holiday. And just for, you know, for that two months, it was just terrible mm-hmm. um, because... You know, not confessing, you have these bad emotions, you have these bad feelings, you have this guilt. You're like, how do I get out of this guilt? But I don't want to share with anyone because, you know, then sure. they're going to say, oh, you're not a disciple or here's here's what these what's going on in my mind. And mm-hmm. uh, I just remember it was the year before camp. The first year of camp, I was a disciple. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. Going into it, I was a disciple. And I was just like, no, man, I can't. Um, and I end up, you know, right before we go, to camp, uh, I spoke to I spoke to my dad. I was like, Dad, this is what's happening. This is what's, you know, past two months I've been living kind of a lie. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this kind of time of refreshing came where it's like, okay, you know, it's okay. You know, God mm-hmm. is patient and he's gracious. And, you know, but, but you do need to repent. You do need to change. Mm-hmm. You do need to, we need to talk through this. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was kind of the, the cup, first couple of, of months um, and, and from that time onwards, it's kind of a blur in terms of, you know, sure. how my discipleship went, you know, kind of up and down. Um, but that was kind of, yeah, high school. And then a big, uh, you know, one of the big moments in my life was, uh, kind of a year and a half after I became a disciple. No, actually it was a, yeah, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes mm. and, that was kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here I am trying to be faithful, trying to be, uh, you know, dealing with sin, you know, leading Bible talks every week on school, at school, mm-hmm. uh, kind of exhausting myself, uh, trying, to, trying to be faithful, trying to lead, um, and bam, get whacked and, and, you know, get told, oh, you have type 1 diabetes. Mm. And I was just like, what? Sure. 
like, what is happening? Like, what, you know, I, I think being a disciple really helped my mindset at that moment in time mm-hmm. um, because I was like, okay, you know, this is tough. Like, this is a change in lifestyle. This is, you are no longer normal. Mm. Uh, you are no longer able to eat whatever you want um, without having to inject um, insulin. And it's like, yo, injections, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Like, that's crazy. Sure. Um, so I think that was a big milestone. And, and, and looking back, I see that as a, a huge trigger mm-hmm. um, in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, stress, you know, kind of, again, is God rejecting me? Why am I being, why am I being kind of thrown with this, you know, why do I have this disease? Why did I, you know, what have I done to, to get this disease? Mm. No one in my family really has the disease. So how, how can I get this disease? Yeah. Um, and it was just a big, you know, a lot of questions. And, and I think I initially started off well, but, it, you know, it tears you down, um, these questions. And, and I think, again, this kind of the cycle started again of, of impurity, yeah. um, confession, impurity, confession. I just... Uh, so yeah, that was kind of high school. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and I think you've you've spoken about a lot of stuff there uh, that I'm like, man, we could talk for for a good chunk of time uh, on this. I mean, you know, the idea of performing, uh, you know, you, you had earlier had mentioned it is kind of part of being a fir- a firstborn, but it's just kind of part of you that, man, I want to do the best. I want to excel. I want to, and we can talk a little bit about the performance thing, the performance piece. Um, and then obviously falling back into sin as a, as a disciple, as a Christian saying, man, I'm not perfect. Like I, I still mess up. You know, we could talk about that because people for some reason assume that once you say Jesus is Lord and gotten baptized, that it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and then even like the, the disappointing, yeah. you know, dealing with disappointment with God and, and the doubting like, God, what's going on here? You know, and even that idea of like, I'm a Christian. Shouldn't life be better? Shouldn't it be different for me uh, because I'm trying to serve you and yeah. trying to do this. So there's so much there. Um, and so I can't imagine what that is like, you know, for a 16, 17 year old uh, teenager, uh, especially now you've got, cause I remember if I remember correctly, was it was your matric year that you were diagnosed with diabetes. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it was my 11th grade. Oh, was it grade 11? Okay. Yeah. So I just, yeah, just one just year before. before. Yeah. yeah, so so I remember it being kind of that season of like, dude, these are serious exams, and you had already kind of had your yeah. mindset on accounting, and and so there's just so much going on, uh, you know, during during this time, uh, but you make it through high school, right? And we'll come back to these bigger yes. theme topics, uh, but you make it through high school, uh, and and off off to varsity you go, and you leave you leave the nest, right? You 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 head out to a different city uh, for those who. Uh, on South African, we listen to this, you know, Pretoria is kind of 45 minutes outside of, of Johannesburg. It's, it's a big city of its own uh, with a great, you know, university out there. Uh, but tell us about that, Mike. How, how was the transition from being in the, in the nest to, to riding solo out in Pretoria? Yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting time of life. Um, you know, I think I was so, so, so excited. Um, uh, but also kind of scared and nervous mm-hmm. and, and how am I going to fit in? Um, you know, uh, I, I remember so vividly the day that we, I moved into my new apartment mm-hmm. and I just sat in my apartment and just cried. Wow. Um, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. Here I am, 17 years old, moved out, living on my own, uh, you know, responsible for my food. Um, and 
but also at the very same time, I'd heard all these incredible stories about how my parents were, you know, how, how their campus lives were sure. and how they, you know, they saw many people's lives change and their campus ministry was, you know, those were some of the greatest days that they had. Uh, and so I was kind of feeling like, yo, this is overwhelming, but it's also so exciting. Mm-hmm. New church, new people. Um, yeah, different, different culture. It was, it was crazy. It was, it was so much to take in. And, and so I think the first six months was kind of tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just up and down and one minute I'm doing fine. Next minute I'm freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think one thing that, that kind of, the pattern that was there was just, again, impurity. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there was so much, I guess, uncertainty for the first six months of moving there. I didn't really, you know, I had I had a discipler, um, but we didn't really do life together. You sure. know, uh, he would have to, like, travel in and from from Johannesburg because there wasn't really someone who was able to be on the campus ministry at that time. Mm-hmm. So here we are trying to figure our life out, 17 years old, or I just turned 18 by that time, um, you know, being strong and, and, and trying to reach out and, and do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think obviously there was a ton of pressure and stress. And again, my thing, my go-to thing was, uh, just impurity. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, going back and, and confessing and being, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, and then a cool thing happened. So we, we had a couple come from, uh, the States mm-hmm. and they kind of led our campus ministry, um, and so that was very, very exciting. I was like, yes, you know, we, you know, full-time ministers, they're on campus all day. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of, I don't, or I don't have to be one of the only, you know, bros to kind of lead the, the ministry there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have this guy. So that was super encouraging. And I think I, we just had a great time. I remember just really enjoying it. You mm-hmm. know, he really helped me to build my relationship with God, to, you know, see him in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was definitely a really good time. Um, and then again, some more challenges came, you know, I remember, um, beginning of my second year. So this is six months after they arrived. Um, one of the sisters, we were at, we were at a camp, a a campus retreat, I think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we, we just heard, we got the news that one of the sisters just passed away, Mm. uh, just out of nowhere. Um, and it was, you know, looking back, I, you know, I remember going to a funeral and I was just bored. Mm. Um, I I could not believe that life could be taken so quickly. And one minute you're fine, next minute, you know, here's my friend who, you know, we did life together for that year. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm so grateful because she actually got baptized like probably, a, you know, a couple of months before. So that was super encouraging to know that at least, hey, she's in with heaven. But it was just so sad. Yeah. It was like, wow you know, this is real. Um, it was actually my first funeral I'd ever gone to. Wow. Um, I'd never, you know, kind of been in that situation before. And I was just like, wow, this is really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for, fast forward six months later. So the couple that was meant to be here for four years, uh, it doesn't work out. And like a week before they leave, they tell me they're leaving. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, you know, here's my campus ministry life. Um, one, we started off with like 25 people. By the time I was in second year, we, we'd hit 10 people in our ministry. Wow. And I was like, okay, we lost more than like 60% of our ministry yeah. gone. No, you know, disciples. Yeah. Sister passes away. Campus ministry leaders leave after a year. It's like, what in the world is going mm-hmm. on? You know, kind of, again, just felt rejected, felt uh, just 
kind of like, is God, you know, is God really working? No one's becoming disciples. Mm. Uh, this is tough. I'm reaching out to people. The one guy, you know, we got to, we actually got to the day of his baptism and he decided, ah, I'm not getting baptized. The, 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 the baptistry was full, everything. So it was just like, it felt like wow. I was fighting a losing battle. Yeah. Um, you know, university was going well. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, doing well in school. Um, but just outside of it, it just felt like a battlefield, mm. man. It was just, you know, slogging along. And again, I think because of all these things, my go-to friend was, you know, impurity, yeah. um, pornography, um, trying to just soothe these pains that I was feeling like, wow, this is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, from that time, probably from around like, you know, I joined a purity ministry for a while, but again, kind of this life cycle of deceit came in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would go and, and they would ask, Hey, you know, ask you what, what's happening in your life. But I, I, I think my heart was just so hard. Sure. Um, and it just got to places like, okay, I'm just going to slog through mm-hmm. this. I'm going to pretend to, 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 to go to church and serve and drive around. And, um, you know, being also one of the only guys with a car, you know, dropping people off 30, 40 minutes away from where I was mm-hmm. here. I am in sin at the same time. It was just tough. You know, it was kind of like I was doing something I hated, but, you know, that didn't help my walk with God. It was just a mess. Yeah. Uh, honestly, a hot mess that just um, was a really tough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all those dreams I had about incredible campus ministry, all those dreams, the crazy amounts of people becoming disciples and following God, they were just shattered. And sure. I was just like, wow, this is, this is challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... It definitely was one of the more dark times of my sure. life. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, dude, thank you for sharing that, man. I appreciate appreciate how honestly you're sharing, cause, cause that's a, that's a long stretch. Four years is a long time to feel like, man, I'm just in the slog zone. Like it's just, it's just, I've got to get through this. I'm walking through mud, and uh, and I can only imagine, yeah. you know, how challenging all the different stuff is. And and we've been friends for a number of years, so I remember coming to visit you at your apartment and being on campus with you and. And having good, honest conversations and, and, and different things. And, uh, yeah. and I know that, it, you know, it was hard, you know, and, and it, it was this, like you say, uh, there's lots of questions around, man, God, what is this? And, and why does it feel like, like we're losing? Um, and maybe we can, we can park the yeah. bus here just, just a touch because uh, I think it will lead us to, to the next phase of your life. Um, but how were you dealing with the doubts? How were you dealing with the questions? Was it, man, I'm, I'm vigorously going after answers? Was it, man, I'm shoving this thing underneath the table, underneath the, what are the, under the rug? And I'm just not looking under there. And it's like, you know, what, or how are you kind of processing these doubts and these questions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, that performance mentality was just so real. Mm. Um, and so it didn't matter what I was feeling. It didn't matter what my doubts were. It didn't matter, you know, what, what was happening in my life, whether I loved God or not. Mm-hmm. I had to get the job done. Wow. And, and so kind of what you mentioned is I put everything in, in under the rug and, sure. and just kept trampling over it, walking over it, um, and, and really didn't deal with it. I think there were stints in my, in my time there where I did um, seek you know, some of the doubts okay. and, and I don't want to paint it like a doomy, gloomy picture everywhere. You know, I had great friendships. Sure. Uh, we, I had, you know, the times that 
that I was, there were great times. Um, I remember guys like Dave Song, who yo, we used to spend weeks together. He would come over to my flat and he just, you know, just dig into the word. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, the parts that stick out are those doomy, gloomy sure. times. Um, yep. Because that was, I think, you know, a big part of, of my struggle and just, yeah. Amen. Okay, so, so, so you're shoving it under the rug, you're shoving it under the rug, shoving it under the rug. Uh, take us into the workplace, right? You graduate, you, you get your degree, uh, you, get a, you get an epic job, an epic you know, accounting firm. Uh, so take us into the workplace. How does Mike transition into that space and, and how were you doing you know, going, going into that, that space? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. So I was doing terribly um, going into, into the workspace, sure. uh, terribly spiritually at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, again, kind of got into this rut of impurity, uh, just not, not really reading my Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think you start off the year and it's like, okay, no, I have to change. You know, mm-hmm. No, I have to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off. But, you know, I'm not going to speak to anyone, but I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to you know, get into the Word. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do all these things. Um, and so I think, you know, I kind of did that for a year and a half, mm-hmm. um, work, work went really well. Okay. It was hectic, you know, crazy nights, uh, late nights, but you know, I was doing really well, getting good feedback from my managers. So I was like, okay, you know, this is okay. But you know, I guess on the spiritual side, you know, I was doing godly things, mm-hmm. uh, going to church, serving, uh, reaching out, um, you know, doing, but, but really empty. Uh, just inside because of because of the way I was living life so again kind of putting on this facade of who I who you know of who I want people to think Mike is versus who Mike really is Mm -hmm. Um, and that's honestly that's how the first year and 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 and, and three months went of my work career Uh, doing really well earning money finally yay nice Uh, felt good Um, but but really not not thriving okay and then what happens after a year and three months? Yeah, so, you know, I think over time, sin just causes your body to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, unconfessed sin, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I got to a place where I was exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. I uh, just did not have the energy to go to work. Um, I... You know, wasn't taking care of myself in terms of my diabetes. Mm-hmm. Multiple times, my sugar would, would skyrocket, and uh, I wouldn't test my sugar, so I wouldn't actually know what the what where it was at. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think part of the reason is because I I just became so just over. I had no energy to do anything mm-hmm. um, except mm-hmm. put on a, a, a mask and and kind of look good for everyone else, but really inside dying. Sure. Um, and so I went to a doctor in in December of. 20 must have been 2018 okay just after my first year and he kind of prescribed to me this medicine um that's for depression he didn't tell me it was for depression at that time mm-hmm. um but he was like this will help with your tiredness and, and whatever um and so I, I went on on it and for three months you know i kind of started seeing the light you know i was like oh this is you know life's a bit different i felt emotion again mm-hmm. i um you know, I think it had been years since I cried. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before that, I think the last time was was the sister's funeral. Sure. Um, and so, you know, three, three, four years since I cried, it was just, it was a long time. And, and that time when I was able to cry, I was like, well, what's happening, Mike? This is weird. Um, sure. And I think, 
that allowed my heart to, or my mind at least, to become softened mm-hmm. uh, towards what am I actually doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Why am I living this way? Why am I living a lie? This is helping no one. This is killing me. Um, and, you know, I decided, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's be open. Let's talk about life. Sure. And kind of had a mini, a mini reconversion uh, in about March of 2019 okay. um, where I just spoke about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, got together. Uh, the brothers did uh, lordship with me again and uh, kind of made, you know, Jesus again, Lord, mm-hmm. uh, or Lord again. And, um, you know, and, and I was in a really great place. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this medicine was really helping me to think clearly. I was excited. I wasn't kind of depressed or, or tired all the time. So that really helped. Yeah. Um, purity. Oh, so, so one of the side effects of this is that it pretty much suppresses your sex drive. Okay. So you have no desire for anything impure. Mm. Um, and, and so that's, you know, went through life. I was like, wow, this, there's no struggle. There's no temptation. There's no, you know, challenging situation would come up. It's like, dude wow, let's run to God, you know? Sure. Um, but then another side effect was that it made me feel nauseous every single day. Okay. Um, so taking this medication was just killing me. I was like, man, you know, I feel, you know, this is going great with God, but I cannot continue feeling nauseous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, that was a, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. It was about six, seven months of just from the time I, you know, decided to get open, speak about what's happening in my life, be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's uh, then I stopped taking it, okay. and all hell broke loose again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it sure. felt like it felt like my world was just impossible to control. Wow. Um, you know, kind of like you know when you read and, and Jesus speaks about how when the demon leaves, it comes back with seven times more, you know, in number, mm-hmm. and it just that's kind of how it felt like after this, you know, not being or being on this medication for nine months, you know, doing fine, all of a sudden going off it. I'm like, what the heck? Like, this is insane. I cannot yeah. fight this battle. Like, this is too much, you know, calling a brother, dude, I'm feeling tempted. Uh, you know, next two minutes, normally that's supposed to help. And, you know, mm-hmm. walking in the light, it, it loses the power. Just next two minutes, I'm already tempted again. I'm like, what yeah. is going on? Call the brother. Um, and I think what, what ended up happening was I just gave in to sin. Sure. Um, and, and I think at that stage, that was it. Uh, I had decided in my heart, this is it. I'm not going to win. Um, and this is over. And so that was about September of 2019. Okay. All right. And, and, yeah. and uh, so I'm going to run, I want us to run the whole story through and we can kind of come back to highlights uh, of the story. So, so September 2019, you're kind of like, bags this man uh, this is this is a losing battle uh, and you give yourself over to sin and, and, and at that point do you feel like you're making the decision that okay i'm now leaving god like i i'm no longer pursuing a relationship with him or does that come a little bit later yeah so i think that comes a bit later um okay. the first couple of months um kind of doing the same thing going to church uh pretending to be okay lying mm-hmm. about you know where i was at um, and, and I think that's when God actually allowed me to give myself over to a depraved mind, um, sure. to kind of how Romans speaks about just giving yourself over. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's where the doubts started coming in. Does God mm. exist? Mm. Uh, you know, if he exists, why is there so much corruption in this world? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are all these, and, and that's where kind of what you mentioned, the doubts came up. Why do I have diabetes? What is, yeah. you know, if God loves, why are there so many millions of people dying? Why, mm-hmm. you know, why is the Bible, you know, why can I find so many kind of, dis- or seemingly discrepancies in the Bible? Why mm-hmm. are there so many religions? Why, you know, if there are so many religions, what does it mean for the people who aren't Christians? You know, all mm-hmm. of these questions that I was like, just doubts, um, and I think the, not really to find the reason or to find the answer, but to kind of be able to have an argument to get out, um, mm. to say this makes no sense, this is trash, um, this you know it's kind of hopeless, and I just want to go. Yeah. So that's you know that that's where the the doubt started, the doubt started to develop. Um, sure. Yeah. That's so interesting that it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the questions themselves, but they were masking this desire for to ease that pressure valve because ultimately if a god does exist and he is a good god and there is an expectation for for righteousness and then then the life that you're living right now is is uh, is unacceptable right and we've exactly. already mentioned at multiple points that you're the performer you want to do well you want to exceed or succeed yeah you want to exceed expectations and succeed and so if i if i if i give away God, like take, take that out of the picture. I don't have that pressure, right? And, and, and I, yeah. I would argue that there is a lot of people who use the idea of questions and doubts of God for that very reason, as a smokescreen to, yeah. uh, because if I do give in to saying, yes, God exists, then I've, I must be radically different. So, all right, so, so all, of these doubts, all of these doubts form and, and you're questioning things. And, uh, and, and at what point do you decide, nah, man, I'm, bags this i'm done this is this is it for me yeah um so i remember it pretty vividly um okay you know it was kind of right just before lockdown happened um covid's Mm. getting real you know they hadn't announced a lockdown in south africa so people were still going to church Mm -hmm. um and one sunday morning i woke up and i just i said i'm not going to church um, hmm. I am not going to lie to myself, lie to everyone else, and pretend that I believe in this God. I cannot continue to sing another song to this awesome God who I you know, don't even know exists, um, sure. and I'm done. Um, and so I, I kind of call my discipler. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to church. Um, I'm, I'm done. Um, and I think to, to him it was kind of a shock as well because I'd, re- you know, I'd say, okay, I have doubts. I tell him mm. I have doubts, but not. I don't think he thought it was to the point where it's like, okay, I'm gonna leave the church. Um, sure. And yeah, so that was March. Um, I was just made made a decision in my heart. I'm done, and you mm. know, kind of went along and did some Bible studies on evidences, and and in each one of those, I found something that I was like, no, I refute this. I refute this. This is this is mm. not right. How can you know? How can you tell me a God exists and He speaks? I mean what is this Holy Spirit that you say, I've never heard of this in my entire life, you know? Um, yeah. Or I've never heard him speak. He's never shown himself to me. Why would God reveal himself to the Israelites and not me? Like, what mm. is his purpose? Why is yeah. it that he, you know, if he exists, surely he can do it. And yeah. that was kind of my attitude um, and, and my argument that was built up and re- to refute all of these things. And, and they kept mm-hmm. telling me, no, probability, you know, what is the probability of life? I'm an accountant. You don't tell me probability because I know the other side of it can happen, you know. Um, yeah. And so it was just I needed factual evidence. Um, yeah. It, 
you know, if I am going to live radically different, if I'm going to go through this whole process of being open again and, yeah. you know, changing my life, then I need God to tell me because I can't pretend to know this God. Mm. I want to know this God. And yeah. they couldn't give me the answer and, you know, or the answer that I thought I needed. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just decided I left. Um, and, and uh, you know, the guy who, who um, I was doing the evidences study with, he, uh, he gave me six books on, on faith. Um, he was sure. like, here, just take these. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. And, uh, and for, for just because this is funny to me, but the, the guy is your, your uncle and the leader of the church. So uh, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that, that adds a little bit of an interesting dynamic to the situation. But, but okay, yeah. so, and, and I, um, I'm grateful for all that you're sharing, Mike, because one, I think there's so much that people can relate to. Uh, I feel like, and we've, we've had a, a, somebody else on the podcast talk about this idea of performance um, and, you know, and just how challenging it is to, to live a life where you're just trying to perform to get stuff done. Um, we we yeah. haven't quite gotten, gotten a, a, a chat about this yet, but, but definitely questions and doubts and what does it mean to really follow God even when it's this difficult um, and then, you know, then I think about, you know, this idea of falling back into sin. And so there's so much in your story that people can relate to. Um, and then this decision of like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this, right? Like I'm, I'm not going to keep pursuing this. And the reason why that's a big deal is because there are many 23, 24, 25 year old people doing that. The, the millennial generation, uh, Gen X or G- millennials and then Gen Z, the bulk of them are beginning to to kind of be disenfranchised by church and step away from the faith. And so yeah. uh, you're not sharing a story that is unfamiliar, especially to someone in my line of work. Uh, unfortunately, you're sharing a story that's relatively familiar, right? But mm-hmm. what, I, what I appreciate is, is, is the story does not end here, right? We're not going to say, all right, yeah. thanks, Mike. You know, that's why you left the faith. Good luck, buddy. I hope you come back. But, but there's some, somehow God continues to work in your journey, uh, mm-hmm. With uh, and, and I'm going to kind of fast forward us here to a, to a particular Netflix uh, Netflix show that, that was really helpful. So, so can you pick up the story from there with the, the Netflix show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just a bit of background. I mean, obviously, you know, from the time March was there. Um, now, here I am living my whole life believing in God. Mm-hmm. I leave. I have no clue what I'm doing. You sure. know, what do I even live for? What do I do? What do I, I don't even understand. I mean, um, it was just a crazy time. All my friends are gone. You know, those, that's where my, my, my people were. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really have many friends outside of church. And so it was just a, also a crazy time of like, what in the world is happening? Um, mm. You know, go earn money. I have all the money. I, you know, I, I was tempted to buy some cars and just do fun stuff and, um, but thank God for yeah. COVID, um, literally. I think uh, sure. it was just an incredible, um, I know it's it's really a tragic disease, but mm. I, I really believe God used it in a way that really helped me. Um, and so, yeah, we get, you know, to the Netflix show anyway, you know, five, six months in, I'm still saying, God, you know, I was praying all the time. God, if you're there, show me your face. Otherwise, I'm mm. done. Um, okay. And I was, you know, kind of, actually wanting to know the truth but just too scared to 
to um, dig in for myself and I wanted the easy way out that God would just show me his face. Um, but sure. anyway, I get to a place where life is just meaningless. Um, I have money. I, people kept asking me, what's your purpose? I couldn't define it. I don't know what I'm living for. I don't mm -hmm. know whether I die. I was reading all these atheist things. They said, you know, with atheism, you're no better than a piece of dirt. Literally, wow. you're just a clump of matter that is clumped together in a, such a way that allows you to believe you think that you're valuable. But mm -hmm. when you die, you're just dirt anyway. Um, and so it doesn't matter whether you die or you live because ultimately there's, there's no point to life. And I was just wow. in a place like, no, no, this cannot be. Um, you know, I cannot believe this. And so, yeah, my, my friends, or my family um, had been watching the show called Cobra Kai. And mm. it's kind of this karate kid. I was like, this is the most goofy trash show. I've, uh, you know, I watched one episode. I was like, this is trash. And I don't yeah. know what it was, but basically I started watching it on a, on a Sunday evening. Um, I think it was in early October, uh, early August. And... Mm. I started watching, and as I watched, I saw something quite incredible. I saw um, people have relationships, mm -hmm. relationships that were real um, or that felt real at the time. Sure. Uh, regardless whether they were godly or not, someone was deeply involved and knew about the other person's life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, who do I know that actually really knows me? Who, who knows what's going on in my heart? Who understands what's happening? And I was like, I have no one. Literally, mm -hmm. I cannot name a single person who knows yeah. what's happening in my heart. And I think that's when it hit that, goodness me, in the church, I had so many opportunities and so many people who deeply cared for me, who loved mm -hmm. me, who, um, yeah, just want to know about my life and yeah. and so that kind of started working in my heart like oh my word okay there has to be something more to life mm -hmm. um i have nothing right now the show is telling me i have nothing right now and so i ended up crying for like every after every night of watching the show i just started crying i was like wow you know i yeah. literally have nothing um so that's the cobra kai and funnily, at the time, you know, I was, I was reading about, um, well, I started listening to Oprah's Soul Talk, the first mm -hmm. episode of it. That's uh, okay. also another podcast. And because, um, again, I was looking for meaning. I was looking for purpose. I didn't know what yeah. life was all about. And, you know, the first person she interviews is Brene Brown. And Brene Brown is this woman who's all about vulnerability. Yeah. And so here I am. I'm seeing people being vulnerable in relationships, people knowing each other. Then I read this, you know, manifesto that Brene Brown writes, and it's all about, you know, we in, kind of encouraging vulnerability and yeah. having the courage to be seen and show up and mm -hmm. treasuring vulnerability. And, and I was just like, no, man, this is the way I want to live. Like, I don't want this shallow, meaningless, purposeless life anymore. I actually want to be vulnerable, to let people in, to let people know. Uh, the thing I'd been doing for so long were the opposite thing to what I've been doing for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's at those times, because those six books that my uncle gave me, they sat on my desk and haunted me on various <laughs> occasions. <laughs> sure, um, sure, I can imagine. Yeah, so, so it was at that time where I was like, you know what, let me just pick one of these up. Mm. And I remember reading this book. I think, I think the title of it was Compelling Evidence for God in the Bible. Uh, mm -hmm. Douglas Jacoby wrote it. And 
I was, my heart had been broken down to a place where I was ready to, to try believe again. Mm. You know, the, the, the things made sense. Like, it made sense that God wouldn't show his face to us. It, it just, life without God made no sense. Yeah. Life with God makes so much sense. And yes, I, I don't have 100% proof that he's there. But mm-hmm. if you think about the way life is made or, or life exists, it's just so highly improbable that life could happen um, mm-hmm. without God. Sure. So that's kind of where I, I was at. Nice. Come on, dude. That's, and that's awesome, man. That, that, that uh, not the getting to a point where you're so low that, you know, this is the only yeah. way out. Not that part. But the part that, one, that God kept working. Right, that he he kept trying to pull at your heartstrings, even if he used this show that you consider cheesy. Uh, I still haven't watched Cobra Kai to this point, but you know, it's just like there's this consistent part of God uh, that that's pursuing you, um, and so seeing you kind of regain your faith and begin to walk with Him again, and has been has been super encouraging, even for me. Um, so 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 now, how do we deal with the the challenges that we're coming from? Right, because there's there's this continual challenge with sexual impurity. There is this yeah. continual challenge of wanting to perform, and 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 yes, I guess Brene Brown's vulnerability pushes right up against that. Um, but then there's the continued challenge of man, there's doubts and question marks about about God, and then and then I love you, you know, this this idea of doing the good, doing godly things versus being godly. All right, so yeah. so kind of walk me through how are you kind of beginning now as you back on your faith journey, and I think it's all a faith journey, right? I think mm. whether you were faith, had faith in God or not, but, but how are you kind of dealing with this idea of, okay, I'm not, I mustn't perform, I mustn't perform, I mustn't perform. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think first, one of the biggest things that changed in my heart um, was when I left the church, I realized that I am my own person. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that my parents, my uncle and aunt who lead the church, um, you know, my friends, they don't love me because I am in the church. Mm-hmm. They love me because I'm me. Mm-hmm. They love me because I'm their son. I'm their nephew. Not mm-hmm. because of what I've done and not because of, you know, uh, whether I perform or not. And, and, that was just something that blew my mind. You know, sure. I'd always associated love with performance. Um, mm-hmm. I'd always associated, so it was conditional. It wasn't unconditional. And yeah. I took that in the very same way I saw God. So when I wasn't doing well, God doesn't love me. He wants to kill me. You know, I'm lightning strikes and I'm freaking out, man. I'm running under the, you know, hiding under the roof. Um, I'm like, I do not want to die, you know, because I know I'm going to hell. Um, mm. That's how I saw God okay. as this either wrath monster or clapper if you're doing well. You know, mm. someone who's, who cheers for you when you're winning the race. And going through that allowed me to see that, no, man their love for me is not based on, on, you know, I defied them. I literally went against everything they think and hold true. I mm-hmm. said no to their beliefs and yet they yeah. still love me. And I, yeah. when, when that clicked, I remember, and I was, I was a mess. You know, I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. I couldn't actually speak to, to people without crying. Like it was just, they actually love me. They actually love me. Yeah. I, you know, and I knew intellectually that they love me. But yeah. 
this was for me so real. And so I think one, it's realizing, or one of the things that's helped me is realizing that God loves me and accepts me and Mm -hmm. finds me right where I'm at regardless. That it's not about performance. It's not about, uh, you know, doing the right thing. My worth Mm -hmm. is not found in my actions, but it's the fact that I, that God created me in his image. Mm -hmm. He set his spirit inside of me. He gave me life from Mm -hmm. his breath and he sees me as valuable, uh, regardless of whether I'm doing well or not. Um, and I started reading this book called Breaking Free, and I think that kind of hit on, you know, that kind of really helped my heart to change and into, you know, the way I see acceptance. Um, that it's not a performance-based thing, but mm-hmm. really you are accepted because you are a son, you know, because you yeah. are a son of your family, because you were created by God. And God's love for you doesn't change. Um, he might not approve of what you do, but, but his love for you doesn't change. Sure. Okay. And so, so, all right. So, so what I'm hearing you say to people is people need to grasp that, man, you are loved exactly where you are. Like whether, you know, you have a great family, you know, great support structure, but even for the person who feels like, man, these, these people have, have had it with me. I've, I've worn them out in their love. Um, You know, God is still just as in love with them now as he would have been whenever many moons ago, maybe when they felt like they were uh, doing better spiritually. All right. So then, then, yeah. then talk to me, talk to me then about uh, the, the switch uh, in, in you from the performance. I've got to do godly things uh, to being godly. What, what is the difference for you between those two ideas? Well, I think firstly, uh, I'm definitely not there. Um, Sure. I think, you know, it's so funny because it's so built into me that I just, it's a continual learning process. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's kind of like the prodigal son, you know. Okay. That guy, one, it's realizing God wants me to do what I, what, what he, he lets me do what I want to do, right? I mean, he, he's not the God who's going to, whip me and do all these funny things. He, you know, just like the prodigal son, the guy asked for his inheritance and God said, go. Mm-hmm. And so he lets me go. But the very same time, he's there to pick me back up. Um, sure. When, when I come back running and realize, yeah, there's nothing. I want to eat pig's food and I can't even eat it, you know. Sure. Um, but he's there. He's, he's, he wants me. He desires me. He um, has thrown so much on me. And I think, Knowing that and allowing that to be in my mindset, that God actually wants me. God, he, he delights in me. You know, the word says in Psalms, like mm-hmm. for me that never, you know, I, I always saw myself as this trash, this, you know, and, and, and when you see yourself as that, you can never be accepted by God because yeah. why would God want trash? Why would mm-hmm. God want, you know, this miserable failure? Mm-hmm. But God continues to reaffirm that I take people, you know, you're not trash one, but even mm-hmm. when you think you're trash, I accept you and I love you and I will throw a ring yeah. on your finger, sandals on your feet, kill the fattened cough, uh, rejoice, kiss you. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done, but I love you. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's, it's changed. Just the way I view God has allowed me to connect with him in a different way where it's no longer sure. about checking, checking a box of, have I read my Bible? Mm-hmm. Have I, you know, prayed? It's mm-hmm. actually about 
spending time with someone who wants mm. to spend time with me and learning of who this God is. Like, mm-hmm. as I said, my, my doubts are not all gone. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen God. I haven't, uh, you know, heard his voice, you know, mm-hmm. in my own ear. But so it's learning about, okay, so God, who are you that this, mm-hmm. that you would accept me? Who are you that, you know, you actually delight in me? Like, I don't understand it. Um, yeah. So it's more a mindset instead of, yeah, doing stuff. Um, sure. And, and just taking stuff off of a checklist. Yeah. Yeah, and you touched on something so important because the, you know, the idea that, uh, and even people who are apologists for the Christian faith will talk about how Christianity is the only religion where the God, the deity came down, right? Everywhere else, it's this hierarchy of trying to level up and trying to get, uh, trying to get to God. So allowing ourselves to understand that God has come to us uh, that mm-hmm. just shows the level of love that he has for us. And, and like you say, he's now, then it's now being with him. It's spending time with him. Uh, and yeah. that, you know, that, that ch- takes away from the, um, yeah, from the idea of performance there. Um, but, but, but then, okay, so, so vulnerability comes into play. And, and I, I'm going to kind of pose it as a slightly different question. Uh, but would you agree with the statement that, you, you know, the level of vulnerability that you have with God directly impacts the vulnerability you can have with people? And the vulnerability you have with people directly affects the vulnerability you can have with God. Would you agree with that statement and why? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, it was first a level of vulnerability with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to be open and actually speak to people. Um, I remember getting with uh, two brothers and we spoke about my, kind of like my, my life story, but in terms of kind of the things that I've done, mm-hmm. um, which were impure um, mm-hmm. and kind of this timeline. I remember drawing this timeline and just yo, gritting my teeth, feeling the shame, even mentioning some of these things. I felt sick to my stomach, mm-hmm. but that really opened a door. Sure. to letting me understand that, wow, okay, I told them these things. They said, amen, let's pray through it, have, you know, and move on, you know. Yeah. But, and so I think, yeah, definitely, uh, vulnerability with people so opens the door with vulnerability with God because you're like, they are someone who hears and listens and doesn't judge. And I think God is the exact same way. Um, yeah. You know, he... He wants to hear my fears. He wants mm-hmm. to to hear what I'm struggling with. He wants me to be vulnerable and uh, and tell him, God, I don't know why you gave me diabetes. Why did you give me diabetes? Like, please, can you answer? You know, uh, like sure. give me, give me a, a maybe. I don't find the answer, but he wants to hear that. He wants to hear me in in the deepest, darkest mm-hmm. secrets. And I mean, it's walking in the light, right? It's it's letting people see you, um, and it's just so much more fulfilling than hiding and lying and being deceitful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's like you say, you know, it, I, I, I see it as a bit of both give to each other. So the more I'm vulnerable with people, that opens me up with my vulnerability with God. And then I'm able to go further with God. And then that pushes me back to being vulnerable again now with, with the people yeah. in my life. And that kind of keeps on, it's, the gift that, it's a gift that, keeps on, that can keep on giving there. Um, but yeah. it's, I mean, this is, you know, for me, just so evident and so clear that God is continually at work. There's this consistent Absolutely. journey that we're going on and, and we are 
we are always just trying to do our best, right, to, to mm-hmm. get through it. Um, and so, so having said that, you, you mentioned something that happened to you in, uh, I want to say it was, I didn't write down the date, but I, I, I want to say it was March 20, 2019. Uh, and you said you had a mini reconversion. Right, and so maybe you can, if you can uh, kind of define what that means for us quickly. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, what for me that meant was here I was. I Ultimately, I kind of stopped following Jesus, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I was doing all of these things, but not living the life Jesus really wanted me to live. Sure. Um, and... So what 2019, March 2019 was, was re, you know, getting my kind of relearning um, about myself, what I'd done, what Jesus has done for me and recommitting and re- being reconverted. Like, wow, God actually loves me and he, he cares for me. And, um, you know, I didn't get rebaptized or anything, but it was recommitting my heart to, to the cause, uh, sure. recommitting my life to making Jesus Lord. Um, yeah. and, and living in a way that brings him glory, um, yeah. and, and walking with him. So sure. that's kind of, yeah. what that was for me. Okay. And, and would you say like, if you think about all these times where it's like, man, then I fall back into sin and I try to get up, I fall back into sin. Would you say that those could be considered mi- like mini reconversions as well? Dude, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's saying no to sin and yes to life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's what the whole point of of our conversion is, is, is sure. walking from the darkness into the light mm-hmm. um, and being with God. Uh, God is light. You know, yeah. sin it leads to death. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason I just highlighted as well is because I think there's young people who might listen to this and think, I have to have it down right. Hopefully by now they know that they don't. Um, But even that idea that that as I continue growing, and for me, I I know for me, I'm a minister and people can think my faith is just always 100%. I have to go back to, do I I really still believe this? And is God Mm -hmm. really at the center of my heart? And is he really the, you know, the, point of my affections and the reason I do things. And so, so I, I like that idea that there's, that we're just going to have to keep being okay with resetting the course back onto Christ and resetting the course back onto Christ. And, and I'm so encouraged by your journey and your story, because I feel like that's what you've done and what you're continuing to do uh, as you learn, as you, as you break down the ability to, to not perform, but to just be, as you fight against this challenge of impurity and, uh, and the challenge of, of, of all of this stuff that, that we've, the doubts and the questions that we've spoken about. So, uh, I want to thank you, Mike, for, for really just uh, sharing with us very honestly and very vulnerably. And then I want to give you the last word and ask you, what, what would you like to tell people, uh, to help people thrive in life as well as in their faith? Amen. Well, thanks Remo as well. I, I think it's been such a privilege to be able to share. Um, I think, I think, you know, one of the things is that God wants you to be real. Mm. You know, he, he doesn't want someone who's perfect. Um, he wants kind of that Peter character who just says what he, he says, uh, regardless of what the outcome is. I mean, you, you see, you read in the Bible, Jesus rebukes 
Peter all the time, calls him mm-hmm. the devil, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. But ultimately, he wants you to be real. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he's literally seen, heard, um, he knows everything. Um, mm-hmm. God knows everything about you. And yet he still loves you. You know, and that's for me, that's something I'm still learning, something I'm still figuring out. But because of that, because he loves you, it allows you to be free. It allows mm-hmm. you to face life and be like, okay, as you said, it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's, it's okay mm-hmm. to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have fears. It's okay to, you know, I guess maybe it's not okay to sin, but even when you sin, God is still willing to come back, give you, you know, kind of love you. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like he just wants to hug you and and just welcome you back into his kingdom, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think don't, you know, don't let Satan freak you out and and fill your life with so much fear that he did with mine. Um, You know, he wants you to believe that, Satan wants you to believe that you are the only one going through this, that you are not going to be loved, that you are not going to be accepted, that you're not allowed to ask the questions, that you, uh, if you do, you're not a disciple. Um, you know, if, if you share, I mean, what's the difference between actually speaking about what you're going through and not speaking about it and knowing that, oh, I'm actually not living a disciple life. Like there's no difference whether you speak about it or not, you're still not living a disciple's life, you know? Sure. Um, and so, yeah it's kind of just this mask that he throws on us and he, he tries to, you know, throw these lies in our lives that really does no justice and really prevents us from, from living a full life. Um, and so, yeah, my, my, my cry and my plead is, guys, if you are in any sort of, you know, kind of hidden sin, addiction, there is hope. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you do not have to go through life living in a lie, living... Um, you know, because everything you do as a disciple then becomes just painful. Um, you sure. know, you start hating and resenting everything. You don't, you have no real friends anyway. So, you know, don't run back to God. Run to people, you know, it doesn't matter what their response is. It's all about you and God. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's always someone willing to listen and God's definitely willing to listen. So sure. reach out be real, be vulnerable, say the worst things that you can possibly say about yourself because that's when you grow the most. That's when you get healed the most. That's when you experience yeah. life the most. Um, and you're going to probably fall again. And that's okay. God has provided uh, Jesus's blood so that we can persevere and, and, and go and, and move on So and repent. So yeah, that's what I would say. Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much again, Mike, and uh, we just have really appreciated this discussion. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Remo. Thank you for listening. For more thought-provoking conversations, subscribe to the Remo Klale Life and Faith Podcast. Please like, review, and share so that we can continue to help others thrive in their life as well as in their faith.